today on the ZabeCast. What is the ultimate Grand Slam, and why did the Cubs' David Bodie have to hit one against us? Notorious J.A.Y. said painting his house sucks, but you know what's even worse? When Johnny Helpful tries to give him advice at the hardware store. And forget for a second if Tiger will ever win again. Who is this mystery girlfriend who kissed him and gave him a pat on the tuchus? You got 45 minutes to kill, then buckle up and let's go! Here we go! Tuesday, August 14th, 2018. Thank you for joining me, and I appreciate the download. Let's start with some feedback. You can always email me at zabe at yahoo.com. This one from Pat Lane in the great state of Washington. Hey, Zabe, love the show. I was listening to the podcast version of your WTEM 980 show and just finished your Friday episode, Hour 3, the one where you talk about Justin Verlander and mental health. You had me rolling as I drove to catch my ferry home. I moved to Bainbridge Island. I have no idea where that is. But I really loved you saying, I wanted to turn on that pitch and knock it out of the park. But then you explained you had to take the pitch because, well, it's a sensitive subject these days. Oh, you wanted to flip that bat. Loved it. I was screaming at my phone, yeah, well, instead you bat flipped and bebopped and scattered over taking a pitch. This is why I love you. You clear the bases, even on a check swing. Awesome. Sincerely, Pat Lane. Go Cougs! Meaning the Cougars of Washington State. Good evening, Steve. This one from Steven Turner. Hope you are doing well. I was catching up on the award-winning Zabecast, ding, the other day. We've not won any awards. And had you had the old viral video of the Need More Dogs soundbite from the ex-coach of Coastal Carolina. It reminded me of an older video that I just recently discovered myself, and it's pretty stinking good. Hope you enjoy it. Keep up the best show slash podcast on radio. Sincerely, Stephen Turner. P.S. Please set up a monthly annual fee for the Zabecast. Good work deserves to be rewarded. Oh, I could never charge you people for this show. Never. Not in, Okay, maybe $1,000 a year. How about $5 a year? Okay, well, well maybe. Possibly. Anyhow, the video is as follows. Alabama rapper attempts to freestyle on live TV, comma, freezes. Take a listen. This would be... uh, You're going to do a spoken word for us now, right? Right. And uh, tell us what we're about to hear. It's the ABC affiliate somewhere down in Alabama. It's just a freestyle. Okay. I'm just going to think it up as I Freestyle. Well, let me sit back. Go ahead, Marshall. Okay. Years ago, they tried to. Years ago, they tried to put me in the. Uh, this is live. Yes, it's live. Did you want to try to read something from your book? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Rule number one of freestyle rapping: Be sure you can freestyle. Rule number two, see rule number one. Rule number three, if you can't do one or two, get out of freestyle rapping. Dagger. And then there is this. Tony Dinga emails to say, Zabe, you are so spot on regarding CBS and their PGA coverage. They are simply dreadful. 
It's the lack of actual analysis that is beyond my comprehension in compared to any other sport. Gary McCord giggling about a bad shot or a good shot is about all we get. Frank Novello states the obvious. Oh, I've been on that train for some time now. Nick Faldo just blah, 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 talks all the time. Adam Scott went right over the top of about five straight flags, and there was no acknowledgement of how dialed in he was. Adam Scott using that long putter but not anchor it. No video explaining how he could do this legally and why he did it. Jordan Spieth putting well on Sunday and making a bunch of birdies, but nobody stating the obvious. He can putt well when he is out of it and relaxed, not so much when it still matters. Tiger's not hitting any fairways. No analysis of why. No discussion of possible adjustments. Tiger hitting a recovery shot with a big hook or a fade. Again, no analysis of what he is doing to accomplish the shot. I agree with you in your tweet. Frank Tricanian is rolling over in his grave. I watched the Golf Channel this morning, and they were equally bad, stating the obvious, no actual analysis, etc. My question is this. What happened? It's why I now love Fox's broadcast, because Curtis Strange and Paul Azinger. I can't stand Joe Buck, but those two guys are great. I like NBC as well. Is it the director? Is it Nance? Is it Faldo? I'd love for someone to get a transcript of one of their broadcasts. We'd all laugh at what they actually say. Nothing! Video sure hides a lot. Sincerely, thanks as always, Tony Dinga. Well, I think there's a lot wrapped up into this. Uh, number one, McCord is worthless. Number two, Nabilo is worthless. I'm sure they're great guys. I'm sure they do a great rubber chicken banquet speech. Get them out. Secondly, Nance, you know, Nance is just so wrapped up into being Jim Nance. I don't think he's at the point where he, you know, Nance would have the weight to lean on his team, to lean on that crew, to say, all right, listen, Nick, Sir Nick, This is what I want out of you. And to be a really good analyst, you have to be able to not give a fuck. You need to be able to say, these guys aren't my friends. They're never going to be my friends, and that's okay. I'm here to say what I think. Curtis Strange has a deep reserve of not giving a fuck. Paul Azinger, in a more subtle, tactful way, is of similar mindset. And so those guys can come out and be more honest. Nick Faldo. Faldo, I thought Faldo used to be great once upon a time. And he was great when he was teamed alongside Azinger back at ABC. But since he's moved over, eh, it's just not the same. And the director, I want to say, is still Lance Barrow. You know, there's a lot you got to cover in a golf tournament. I don't want to bash him too much. But there just is, it, it, it's two kid gloves on CBS. They are not brutally honest enough. You know, when Tiger stepped to 17 and there's water on the right, one of those guys should have said, it blows my mind that Tiger Woods cannot execute a simple draw away from the hazard, which is his only real danger on this hole. I don't understand why he can't do it. He's a professional. You should be able to hit one modest draw. You don't have to hit it a billion miles and worry about duck hooking it. Why can't he hit a draw? I mean, these are pros, right? You'd think that that'd be the case. But, yeah, you know, these guys are all, they want to be careful. They want to make sure they don't offend anybody, etc., etc. One other thing from the PGA that I think needs to be talked about, one other element to the Tiger story, 
And it's not really talked about in polite circles, but, you know, me, I'm not polite. His girlfriend, Erica Herman is her name, and she is a short, ordinary-looking, middle-aged-ish restaurant manager. In fact, she was listed on the initial press release as the restaurant manager for the Woods Jupiter Restaurant. That's about all we know about her, other than the fact that she was seen at the President's Cup just this past fall. Tiger Woods has never commented on nor confirmed to anybody whether or not they are in fact an item. But you saw right as he was coming off the course yesterday, somebody came up, gave him a kiss on the lips, and a pat on the butt, somebody said, the new Duffnering. (laughs) And that was Erica Herman. So... I think it's obvious that they are a thing. And all I got to say for Tiger Woods is good for him. He's doing the opposite. He does not have this trophy, smoking hot, blonde, nanny, ex-Swedish bikini model. He is not fiddling around on the side with Lindsey Vaughn. He's gone from Lindsey Vaughn, who's a pretty hot number, and an athlete, to this gal, who I'm sure is a wonderful person. I mean, I'm sure, maybe... Let me just say that for the record. I'm sure she's a wonderful, wonderful person. Hey, if he's happy, I'm happy. Am I hitting all the right notes here on this? But it's good for Tiger Woods because, look, he's a different guy now. Did you see how joyful Tiger Woods was after the round and how appreciative he is of the big picture? You know, I I didn't think I'd be able to play again, and I am. This is amazing. He's joyful to be out there. He's thankful. He was not that way once upon a time. I'll never forget, after the scandal broke in his first tournament back, the Masters, and he put on a furious rally to fall just short, and he did an interview with Bill McAtee right after the round, and he could not have been a bigger dick if he tried. And he had no sense of, hey, you know what? I've been through a lot lately. I've hurt a lot of people, but guess what? I I was out here today. I gave it my all. I came up short. Life is really good. It's I'm so lucky to be able to be out here playing and to be out here with my peers. So this was a really good week for me, even though I didn't win. He was incapable of doing that. He was just seethingly pissed that he didn't win because he thought if he won, that would be the ultimate fuck you to Hootie Johnson, who dared to say, or actually Billy Payne, not Hootie, uh, it'd be the ultimate fuck you to Billy Payne, who went on that famous rant about Tiger Woods going forward, will not be judged by the tournaments he wins, but by how he treats those around him and da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Boy, Tiger wanted to pack it up there so tight. And he thought winning would do that, but winning would not have done that. He's a totally different guy in that regard. You know, he's put in the time, too, Tiger Woods... Spent time as an assistant captain at the Ryder Cup, was fully invested. He wasn't sitting in a golf cart sulking. He had the earpiece in. He was consulting with guys. He was a full participant. Same thing for the President's Cup. He's now more one of the guys on tour than ever before. He did admit that he's going to have to start giving less advice because he's now competing again. He wants to beat these guys. But the fact that he was willing to be out there giving advice and connecting with fellow tour pros is, I mean, that's a huge step. He never used to do that. He orbited in his own orbit, which was light years beyond and out of reach of everybody else. Tiger 2.0 is a much better Tiger. It's a hell of a comeback medically. It's a hell of a comeback for him as a person. 
Talked to Marcus, uh, Don Marcus of the Baltimore Sun regarding the University of Maryland scandal. They have placed their head coach, DJ Durkin, on administrative leave while they investigate both the ESPN report that there is a quote-unquote toxic culture at the University of Maryland with their football program, and also, I suppose, pending some sort of investigation regarding the death, the tragic death of one Jordan McNair, who died of heat stroke. It dawned on me, and I, you know, Don Marcus said flat out, he goes, I don't think that Durkin's tenure will continue at Maryland. I think he's cooked. He's, he's done. And I would tend to believe he's right. Most of the time when coaches get put on administrative leave, they never come back. I'll be willing to venture nine out of ten times. It's a parking lot to then say, okay, we've got to move on. Now, I'm not saying DJ Durkin deserves to stay or deserves to get fired. I don't know enough. I haven't seen enough, and I want to hear more. But here's what's interesting. The university, after this tragic, unbelievably program-shaking event, a 19-year-old man dying under their supervision on the football practice field, after something horrific, which is a fact, happened, somebody died, the university was like, we're good. We're standing behind Durkin and his program. Something trivial, which is a rumor, and now all of a sudden the university is saying, oh no, we all hold on a second. We've got to dig into this. Talk about being caught flat-footed. Talk about being just scared of your own shadow. So in essence, just because ESPN reported something relatively trivial compared to a guy dying, and that trivial thing would be uh, they made some fat player on the team eat candy bars while yelling at him he's got to lose weight, or they knocked a tray out of some kid's hands in the lunchroom and challenged him to a fight. That's trivial shit compared to someone dying. And by the way, it's rumor. It's not fact. Something horrific, which is fact, we're good, we're sticking by our guy. Something trivial, which is rumor, but because it's ESPN, oh, we got to put him on leave. We're going to investigate. We'll see. Oh. Talk about horrid, quote, leadership. I won't even call it leadership because it's an insult to the actual word. Dr. Wallace Lowe, the university president. How this guy has survived, I have no idea. Hello, David. Hello, Jay. How you How are you doing? I am wonderful. Would you like to know what the Summer of Jay had planned today? Yes, so, yes we now rejoin the Summer of Jay as previously scheduled. What would you do today, Jay? I, I started to paint today. I'm painting two rooms in the house. Oh, my God. Well, I mean, you got the time, so why not? I, why not knock it out? Exactly. And did you enjoy the job? I, I'm terrible at it, and I hate it, but it had to get done. <laughs> of course, because painting, let's go through the process. One, <laughs> yes. pick out a color. Yes. Pain in the ass, especially. Which, by the way, was a 20-minute argument on that. But right, with your, with your girl. Of course, yeah. it always yeah. is. You know, oh, do we want eggshell white, or do we want uh, milk white? Or mauve. It was just a, it was a... <laughs> It, it, it was like it was like going dress shopping. Okay, I had the same feeling. Yeah, right. But there's no tits to look at, even when you're dress shopping. Like she can come out in a dress, and you can go, "All right, that dress will look good on the floor next to the bed." So let's buy it. 
<laughs> paint, paint. There ain't nothing sexual in paint. That's for sure. Okay, no, you, so step. You, hold on. Step one. Go step one. Okay. Go to argue about paint color. Agree on paint color. Bring paint color home. Test on wall. Return to store because it doesn't look <laughs> like you want it. To. Am I wrong about that? On the Were wall? you here? Was I here? Were you No, here? I'm a citizen of the world, and I've lived life, Jay. I know these things. So you go back, and you get the paint adjusted, and okay, now you get the paint you need. Buy paint for room. Prepare room by moving tons and tons of furniture. Prepare room by taking stuff off the walls. Prepare walls by sanding and um, spackling holes. Right? Yeah, again, you have ding, 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 ding. Okay. Yes. Uh, now, once you've done all that, you must put drop cloths over the entire floor. Yes. You must bring ladders and step ladders into the room. You, for, you forgot one step. What's you gotta that? Tape, you got to tape the walls. You got to tape over the electrical outlets. Oh, right, 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 right. You got to tape it, tape it all, tape up the edges. Okay. All this work, and now you're just ready for the truly miserable part of painting to begin. Yes. Begin painting, which is to put paint into a tray, roll it onto a roller, and then roll it onto the walls. But don't put too much at first. You got to go light coats. We got to do multiple light coats so it's a nice, even paint job all the way around. Then you must use a brush to, you know, edge in around the edges of the ceiling and around other parts of the room, right? And you got paint all, all over yourself. You're stinking of paint fumes. You're hot. You're sweaty. You're miserable. And you do all this because you want to save a few bucks. You don't want to pay painters. Ding, 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 ding. (laughs) Except I once had a friend, Chuck Morrison, who said to me about having his house painted. He goes, I started doing it. And about seven days in, I said, enough of this. I hired somebody. And he goes, and it was not a heavy check to write. He goes, no, I think he said, the, it was, I wrote the check and the pen wasn't even heavy. I couldn't even feel the pen in my hand, I think is what he said. So anyway, so that's what you're doing. Summer of Jay, not as exciting as I would hope it would be, but maybe some excitement will come your way tomorrow. God, let's hope so. Okay. Maybe you can help sort things out at, at Maryland with their football program. Oh. Did they? Wait a minute. It's ten oh nine. Did they fire him as of yet? Let me ask you that. No, he's not fired as of yet. Although I just said that, in my experience, nine out of ten coaches who ever get put on administrative, administrative leave, leave yep. never come back from that. Exactly. And the Except nine out of ten Urban might Meyer be a the only one. Urban Meyer, Meyer might survive this. Yes. The, uh, administrative leave is like the Zika virus for coaches. <laughs> Once you get it, you're pretty much dead. It's just a matter of time. You may stay and, on life support for a while, but eventually you're dead. Now, now, did you ever interview DJ Durkin? No, I did not. Oh, he is one of the worst interviews I've ever been a part I so I, I booked him. And, you know, you've got to talk to uh, the AD at Maryland, whose name I cannot remember, but I don't like him. He used to be the, he used to be the, He's... the guy for the Wizards. Zach Bono. Zach Bono. Zach Bono. You don't like Zach? he gave Zach? me all these parameters, and I'm like, okay, all right. So we did the interview, <laughs> and he stammered, and he was a low talker. 
he was one of the worst interviews ever. Made you yearn for Randy Edsel, huh? No, that that will never happen. That's no. the worst coach in the history of coaching. Okay, no, no, okay, never... yeah, right. But guess what? Never killed a kid. Oh, he here just we killed go. the program. Well, him and Debbie Yao. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, uh, how do you feel about this whole situation? Because I was just saying before I brought you on here, I said, oh, oh, did you hear that? Uh, my my iPhone is under 10%. We'll have to talk quick. We'll see if, if by the way, if the phone cuts out, Jay, the interview is over. Okay. <laughs> I forgot to charge my phone before this. I'm an idiot. Okay. So I said, look, Maryland, something horrible happened, which is a fact. A player died and they stand by their coach. Something trivial might have happened, which is rumor, i.e. some fat kid was made to eat candy bars while being yelled at to work out, and all of a sudden Maryland's like, oh, we got to put our coach on leave. Isn't that kind of fucked up, that thinking? Well, the, the, the kid collapsing during the, the 110-yard sprints and then yelling, get his ass off and carry his ass off the field, that might have been a little too much. If it happened that way. Now, if it happened. Now there's but, supposedly but he, supposedly there's cameras, multiple cameras at every practice. Don't you think those are going to be some highly contested and fought over videos at the University of Maryland between lawyers for the family, the university, well, the coach? Well, they they lawyered up and they got Billy Murphy and you're not you're not, you know, you don't know who Billy Murphy is. Billy Murphy of Baltimore is the guy you want to get if something bad happens and you need a high-profile guy to get out in front of the camera and talk. He's Jackie Childs. That's who Billy Murphy is. He's Jackie Childs really? in Baltimore. Yes. Nice. And, yes. So okay. they got the right guy. They knew what they were doing when they got him because he will come out and talk in sentences like Jackie Child. Oh, this, this is going to be a S show. Okay. How'd you like switching gears? How'd you like the Nats losing on a walk-off grand slam to the Cubs in the ninth inning, leading 3 nothing, and with two, two outs, two balls, two strikes, boom, gone? I happened to click over because I saw I got an alert that like the bases were loaded. Yeah. I was like, the Nats can't lose this one because Scherzer had pitched a gem. Absolute. He was, yes. He went like seven. Yeah. yeah. And I said, there's no way they can lose this. And as soon as I clicked over... Boom, yeah. gone. David Bodie is the pinch hitter who did it. They, they're calling it like the perfect slam, one in which your team is down by three runs. It's in the ninth inning. You're the home team. You're down to your last out, and you hit a grand slam. Like There's only been 25 of those recorded since 1974. You looked that up, didn't you? No, That's I, why you're in the business still. No, <laughs> no, I didn't look that up. <laughs> Where would I have the means to look that up? I saw it in a story. <laughs> okay, I gave you too much credit. Uh, I guess so. What's the greatest home run of all time in baseball history? Period. Stop. Full stop. Single greatest home run in the history well, of baseball. Is it the Giants win the pennant? The Giants Bobby win the pennant. Bobby Thompson off Ralph Branca. Okay. Uh, uh, of course, Kirk Gibson. Okay. Uh, Joe Carter Smith. to close the World Series. Yeah, Ozzy Smith to to win the National League uh, Championship Series. Well, We'll see you. No, not to win. We'll see you tomorrow, folks, with the great call. Okay. That was a great one. All right. Didn't Kirby Puckett hit one in Minnesota? That was the one you're, That was the one where Jack Buck says, and we will see you tomorrow. Okay. All right. Well, well no. no Ozzie right. Smith, he said, go, go crazy, crazy people. Go, go crazy. crazy. Right. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, 
I was at one, and I, okay, this is a stupid Orioles fan. Doug, 1979, the Orioles, uh, the start of Orioles magic. Doug, since they hit a home run in Detroit, off, off uh, Detroit Tiger lever in the bottom of the ninth to win the game. And that, like, started Orioles magic. I was there for that one. That was kind of a big deal, Orioles right. war, but you could give two craps about that. Uh, there was Bucky bleeping Dent, another one, 1978 AL East tiebreaker game, Yankees and Red Sox. Uh, Barry um, Bonds hits number seven fifty six. Did you see they had Barry Bonds night the other night in San Francisco? Yes, his head is somewhat shrunken now. The oh. funny, his whole frame seems to be somewhat shrunken. He has, uh, and, and you know, but we should let him in the Hall of Fame because he didn't cheat. <laughs> <laughs> Did you hear his speech as to why he asked his dad on his deathbed, "Daddy, why were you so hard on me?" And apparently his dad said, because I knew you were always going to be seeking my approval, I made sure to constantly put it just out of reach so you would be the best you could possibly be. He was much better than his dad. That is true. And, and Bobby Barry, Bobby Bonds was pretty good. Fuck yeah. yeah is that good, is that good parenting, though, to constantly leave your son yearning for approval just so he'd be good at baseball? I guess if you went to the Mar- Marvin Marinovich school of uh, parenting, I guess so. <laughs> well, it worked out for the Bonds family, not so much for the Marinovich family. Uh, Carlton Fisk waves it fair, 75 World Series. That's another, another yes, iconic another home run. run. Uh, Henry uh, Aaron's, Ted, Hank Aaron's home run for 714. Ted Williams in the All-Star game in whatever, 40-something. That yep. was a big one. Yep. And then uh, Bill Mazeroski, Game 7 World Series, uh, Pittsburgh Pirates. At, at Forbes Field, as a matter of fact. I, all think, right. I think I think you covered them all. Enough goddamn baseball for the podcast here. People are like, too much baseball. For God, what are you doing, Zabar? Right, let's talk some football. Uh, what would you make of the rookie QB debut carousel week one NFL preseason? I love Sam Darnold already figuring out NFL football. Did you hear what he said? And I love Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold had a nice little debut, and he said, you know what's great? You know, the, the, the width of the field is different than in college. And, and I can tell if it's a safety high or, or double safety. Okay, okay. So, well, Sam, all right. Let's see how that works out for you. Yeah. I mean, hey, c- hey, m- hey, moron. It's the preseason. They're not disguising any coverages. It's uh, not the hash marks, you dipwad. It's the and, defense. He is in I'm for a, a rude awakening. But every Jet fan, including some people who should know better, have said he's the guy. The Jets have found their guy. This guy looks great. Give me a break. You know, once they leave SC, they're dead to me, so I could care less about Sam Darnold. But <laughs> I love them for two years. You know what else Sam Darnold said after? He's like, man, these hash marks being together, it's, it's great. I cannot identify things. He said, man, these black guys up here at this level are fast. And they're like, Sam, shit, <laughs> shut up. What are you talking well, about? <laughs> um, Baker Mayfield is, from all I've heard is, there is no way they can start him, but there is a push to start Baker Mayfield. Have you heard this? Uh, of course there's a push. I heard after the first game, I I, I, I heard uh, uh, that hack on ESPN radio who uh, who does the afternoons on TV. I keep forgetting his name. He's Will the, Kane. Yeah, Will Kane is like, that's he is it. a hack. Thank you. Yeah. Like, you got to start him. One game, you got to start him. He's ready. Why wait? No offense to Tyrod Taylor. Got to start him. I'm like, Jesus. I mean, seriously, where did you buy this take? At the discount take rack? I, I, like, 
have we all like aren't we all supposed to be smarter than this to know that preseason football is not just imperfect data it's actual bad data it's rotten data it's misleading it's funhouse mirrors of nonsense data guess not well you know but you're going to get you know your troy aikman and peyton manning you just throw him in there one year and let him get the, the crap beat, beat out of him and then he's going to be fine after that is that know, how it works you know it's funny i don't remember a single peyton manning preseason take because that would have <laughs> been because that would have been 1998 and the media world as we know it today didn't exist. So where would you go to get a hot Peyton Manning preseason take, right? Or or a hot Troy Aikman take. It, even more so, yeah. Because Troy came into the league in 1989, something like that. Whenever they bought was, – was he there for the last year of Landry? Something like that, yeah. It was, okay. it was right around then. Um, that said, Mayfield looked pretty good. Uh, well, he's, okay. He moved there, around there pretty go. good. I still think he's going to be Manziel 2.0 without the coke addiction or the abusive girlfriend, or not a, or abuse towards his girlfriends. I just don't think he's going to be that good. I think he's a shrimpy little runaround guy. But he moved up in the pocket, made some nice plays. I'm like, okay, not terrible. Of course, every other quarterback also looked not terrible. Josh Allen made some decent throws for Buffalo. Made one horrible play. Josh Rosen, Rosen, where the hell's the record room? He uh, did okay for Arizona. The big headline of the Arizona game, Jay, was did you see the form tackle that was flagged as a helmet hit? Yes, I, I saw it on the highlights. Yes, I did. And by the way, games are now going to take eight hours with all the penalties on tackles and running backs lowering their heads. I'm telling you, if they call that play in the regular season the way it was called in that game, it, you, you're going to lose people. I'm not saying I'm not going to watch any NFL. I will reduce my consumption of the league if that is now going to be a penalty. That is like be like calling a pop up a surprise home run because it was extra high. <laughs> I'm not kidding. That's a good one, though. It's like that's a pop up. That's an out. No, because it went over the mezzanine level of the stadium. It's actually a home run. Circle the bases. When you make a form tackle and they call it a penalty, you are now basically you're ruining your product, and the NFL doesn't seem to care. They assume we're going to be there no matter what, Jay. They assume. Well, it's it's uh, everybody loves to eat up all the NFL. So we're going to we're going. To, you say you're going to stop watching. You'll still watch. I didn't Let's say I'd honest. stop. I said I would reduce my. You'll intake. cut it back. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, weigh in on the Cam Newton Kelvin Benjamin showdown before the game last Thursday. I you I never gave Cam a lot of respect, but after that one, Cam went up. It was OG. That was street. He went up. Put his hand behind his back, and anybody puts their hand behind their back, you got to watch out for. I was ready for a punch, and Kelvin Benjamin kind of looked like a bitch. So wait, that's a move where you put your hands behind your back and then you do a quick sucker punch. I'm just saying, you got to watch out for those guys. Okay. And and, and I I love when Cam told the other guy, "Get away, we're talking here." Right. That was my favorite. That was my favorite. Right. This is an A B conversation. Between us, you see, you're C, see your way out of this. Yeah, I I thought Cam, because, you know, Cam could have responded on social media. He didn't. 
He could have done something else. He didn't. He just said, oh, good, we're playing you now. And uh, I, got, I heard you were talking about me. Let's go ahead and talk this out. Didn't bother seeking him out behind you know, uh, the tunnel or anything like that. He's like, okay, there you are. Hi, I'm here. And I, I really thought there were going to be fisticuffs after that. I'm surprised there wasn't. Not this time, but there could be, you know, the, the, the Jaguars now have stuff going on in their camp where Ngakwe got into a fight with uh, their linebacker, Ramsey. Or no, no, Ramsey's a safety. Ngakwe, the big defensive end, got into it with, with their star linebacker. And then uh, a reporter noticed that this fight actually continued outside the gates of the practice field. And when the reporter said, yeah, this fight went on and it went on outside the gates, Jalen Ramsey tweets at the guy and basically threatens the reporter. And, and they suspend him for a week. For a week, yes. For conduct unbecoming. Do you know being a football player? Well, you can't be threatening media members. Would you agree on that? If it's somebody like Jerry Coleman, can you do it? <laughs> Jerry Coleman. That's an inside <laughs> joke for those of us who know Jerry. <laughs> Wait a minute. By the way, I heard you talk about the kind of gentler days and how you no longer blow up, and you said you once threw headphones down, which I sort of remember. Okay. But my my favorite David moment, I, I was staying late one day. Oh, boy. And uh, Coleman was doing a report. And you, <laughs> got, and you got so angry with him that you took his Gatorade, opened the door, and threw it threw, against the wall. I threw his Gatorade bottle out the door of the studio and said, get out of here, Jerry. <laughs> I, I also remember once, again, this is Zabe before he became Conla Gentler. Yeah. You got angry with, oh, God, um, from Channel from channel 5. Um, oh, Heli. Feldy. 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 Oh, yeah. Oh, Feldy. Feldy was late. Yes, he was. Let him. You said Feldy. If I was on TV and I was late, because he kind of walked in like, hey, I'm a little late. Big right. Like, like it's nope. no big. And this pissed me off for years because – Andy and I would have a third guy in on the sports reporters. They got paid a nice chunk of money per appearance. I think it was maybe two hundred dollars. That's a good. That's good for three hours. Yeah, yeah. Two hours. They were only in for the second and third hour. We did the first hour ourselves. And let me tell you, Andy and I, we'd get things going. The third guy, it was not heavy lifting. It was a tourist ride of hey, come on in, be part of the show, right? Well, it pissed me off that they would cut, you know, some of the ones that were very comfortable, like Naki and like Kelly, they'd roll in late. And I it made me more and more furious. And Andy, because he was kind of the captain of the ship and the sports director, I'm like, are you going to say anything to these guys? And Andy's like, nah, what are you going to do? And I'm like, tell them, don't be late or else you're not getting paid. And he's like, well, why don't you do that? And I was like, well, you're the one leading the show. So I think one day Feldman... He was really late, and he claimed his car was stolen. Or no, it Ooh, broke. I, he claimed his car broke down, and I just wasn't buying it. Well, maybe it was. Who knows? But I was just in a bad mood, and it got very tense on air. because oh, it I, was uncomfortable because <laughs> during the break, you let him have it. I was like, ooh. <laughs> yeah, it was back when I cared in radio. I don't care anymore. I'm there to take their money. That's my okay. job. You pay me, I take it. 
Transaction right, I, I complete. To... Let me go back to the Jalen Ramsey tweet, though, okay? Here's what he tweeted at a reporter. Quote, you know you done messed up, right? LOL, if y'all want war, we got some for y'all. And I know the rest of y'all. You know who you are. Go on, read this too, so just know. Hashtag lame-ass reporters. That's a threat. That is a very bad look for the league, Jerry. Jerry. Why am I calling you Jerry? That's a very bad league. That's a very bad look for the league, my friend Jay. Also, bad look for Florida State because that's where Jalen Ramsey went. And with that English grammar, that you shouldn't be proud of that. <laughs> hey man. It's Twitter. You're allowed to abbreviate <laughs> you're allowed to abbreviate some things. So I, I read where Florio said he's been uh, he's been uh, sat down for conduct unbecoming. And there's a distinction between conduct detrimental. Apparently, if they had benched him or if they had suspended him for conduct detrimental to the team, then it would have voided a bunch of guarantees in his contract. Isn't that why he slipped in the draft? Because there was issues with his character? Quite probably. But guess what? Most of the best football players are a little bit crazy. What what did uh, the old Cowboys ball coach say? He 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 doesn't want no church going boys, which is very which is very true. Barry Switzer, Barry. Oh no, um, um, uh, um. Oh my God, why am I blanking? It's the paint fumes. Before Sir, Switzer, uh, Jimmy Johnson. Jimmy Johnson. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Just like all his players at the U. Yeah. Well, Doc Walker used to say all the time, "We need some penitentiary guys. <laughs> we need some guys with a gold tooth or two. He would say that, and and he could say that because he's an ex-player and he's black. Like, I couldn't say that because, you know, racist. Hashtag racist. But that's what Doc would say. <laughs> we need some penitentiary, boys. The problem is every NFL team has to walk the fine line between this guy could murder somebody and chop him up and put him in a, in a blender, and then this guy would never do that, but by God, he will lift five men en route to the quarterback to kill him. That's the guy we want. Well, I do like Jalen Ramsey, though. He is a ball-hawking He's good. Uh, cornerback. Really hit. good. I love him. All right. Uh, did you see where uh, Isaiah Thomas got in trouble for calling Cleveland a, quote, shithole? Unquote. I see why LeBron left. I saw the little vine or was was Instagram. Instagram. Instagram live. Okay. Yeah. yeah. He said, I had my live up and I wasn't paying attention. I shouldn't have said that. I'm very sorry. You know, okay, I accept that, Ben. Okay. Were you mad when Trump called certain countries shithole countries? Ah, here we go with the politics. I'm just kidding, man. I don't give a shit about that. I don't give a shit about that. That's what he does. That's what he does. All right, question. Is Cleveland indeed a shithole? I've only been there once, and it was actually okay. Rank the cities. Detroit, Cleveland, Baltimore. Go. Baltimore won. Cleveland to Detroit, a distant third. <laughs> okay. Detroit's one of the worst places I've ever been. I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, Newark, New Jersey. Uh, let me find another notorious shithole. Someone clued me in that apparently New Haven, Connecticut is a fucking shithole. That... There's gangs there. Yeah, yes. yeah. Like Yale is in New Haven, and they're like, yeah, don't get off campus. Very dicey. And I'm like, Really? Uh, New Haven and South Central. Do you want to do that one? Uh, Newark. How about East St. Louis? 
Rough. I've been to okay. I've been to one of the. I've been to East St. Louis. East St. Louis was a. East St. Louis is scarier than Baltimore. Wow. Yes. All right. How about? Uh, oh, here's another shithole uh, city, Jacksonville, Florida. <laughs> I'm just kidding, Jacksonville. You know that. Don't be so damn thin-skinned, for God's sakes. No strip clubs. <laughs> in Jacksonville, there are. They're just, no, in, not... they're just in malls next to nail salons and banks, <laughs> which is weird. Allegedly. Like, I wouldn't know, but, you know, allegedly. So, yeah. Uh, did you like the guy who dressed up as Troy Palomalu and tried to cover Antonio Brown at... I, I don't know... That, I was going to ask you, this is manna from heaven for you. That story, the guy with the plane. Oh, yeah. Mark Stern, producer Tony Gordon, had to call me and tell me to go look, to go listen to it. But the Troy Pot, because he did kind of look like a player. He was a little ripped. Dude, he had abs that were tighter than a snare drum. Yeah. But, and he had a helmet that looked authentic with a visor shield. It had all the numbering correct. It was like one of the new revolution helmets with the cracks in the in the outer shell and all that. And I'm like, that helmet looks legit, but A, he's tiny. B, where's the hair? C, that shirt doesn't even match, but it does have number 43. And D, <laughs> Troy Palomalo's retired, bro. What are you doing? <laughs> That's a great one, though. That's a great one. It's, it's like there was a guy who got a shot off in an NBA uh, warm-up line this, uh, this yes, year, Yes, that happened as well this year. Well, and, and and if you think about it, how great is it that this guy snuck out there and said, I want to cover AB? Like, he would said, I'm not just coming out here to be part of nickel coverage or some kind of zone man under. Fuck that. Give me the hardest guy on the field to guard. <laughs> Maybe he thought, if I do it, then I'll get, you know, I'll get invited. I'll get a contract. Would do, what, whatever happened to that? Remember there was a reality show that was going to put one winner on an NFL training camp roster? Ooh. And I believe, I believe it produced a long-haired uh, dreadlocked brother that played for the Dallas Cowboys and returned kicks. Someone's going to email me on that or let me know when this podcast airs. But yes, I'm pretty sure that it produced uh, a cowboy kick returner who actually did some good in the league. I don't think remember, the show exists anymore. Remember the great show, Pros versus Joes? <laughs> yeah. I love that show. You did, huh? I love that show. Did you love it as much as I loved Slam Ball? Slam Ball was there. That show needed another. Because the guy for the who owned the 76, remember? We had Pat Croce. Uh, yes. And we had him on because he like, bought a team and he was pumping it up. And I thought that was going to be something, but it died a slow death. What are what Croce's doing these days? He made a lot of money opening up physical rehab centers, had enough money to be the major- majority owner of the NBA, of the Sixers, but then got ousted or sold or something. We had him on once. We interviewed, about, interviewed him about his pirate museum that he was opening in Key West, Florida. Remember that? Oh, that's right. I still have his number in my phone. I go, why do I have... Pat Croce's number. <laughs> right. And, yeah. And he was just this relentlessly positive guy. This is great, man. Hey, it's great to be on with you guys. And, you know, he was that kind of guy. Pat or uh, Croce and Pat Williams, the GM of the oh, Sixers, also yeah. we had him on a couple of times. And he was another nice guy. 
Pat Williams. Who was way positive. He adopted like 19 kids. Yeah, the Duggar family of the NBA, Pat Williams. <laughs> Wait except right, can, except, I, can, except without the uh, the kid fondling and uh, actually, you know, adopting kids, not just procreating on your own. I have to ask you about yesterday. Yeah, let's talk Tiger before we get to FTG. What'd you think? Okay, because I was like, he didn't win. Why is everybody in a, in a big tizzy? It was great, but he didn't win. Listen, he's back. He didn't win. He's like Tyson. Boxing fans who love Tyson. Tiger is now that. If he does anything of, of substance, it's, oh, God, here he comes back. But you know, he didn't win. I noted this yesterday right in here on this Zavecast. I said, him pimping that birdie on 18 when he knew damn well it didn't matter was an interesting look into his mindset because he used to be the Ricky Bobby of golf. Second place is first loser. Right. If, if you ain't first, you're last. And yet he treated it like he had just won and he was all happy when he strode off uh, and he got a, that ovation from the fans. He didn't win. Like the headline... Tiger still didn't win, and yet he he treated it differently. I I get it from his standpoint. He's excited. He's healthy. He's killing the ball these days. He's just got a few things to fix, and he feels in his mind he's going to win a major. And I said a long time ago, even before this comeback, I said he'll win one more tournament, and that will be the Masters, which is a major because it's a short field. There's only 90 guys. So much of the course relies on knowledge and putting and, and expertise that that's the one he'll win sometime in his mid-40s. But he's playing and, so well, Jay. I don't know now, man. This is a and, this is a medical miracle, the likes of which it's hard to overstate. As long as Brooks Kepka is out there, that guy... Every, it seems like every second shot, he's hitting a nine-iron or a wedge. Oh, yeah. It's, he a, hits, it's so a joke. It's a joke it's, how he murders the ball. And I said the way he looks, it's like he you know, he walks around going, you nerds suck. This game's easy. <laughs> and then dumping people's bags out and then walking off. That's what he looks like. But he's actually a nice guy, you know. He, just, he looks like a linebacker. Exactly. And back when Tiger was winning, he was beating frumpy dump Bob May, a nobody at Valhalla, or short hitting, you know, average player Chris DeMarco at the Masters, or God fearing, bald middle aged Tom Lehman, or Fat Phil, or Fat Phil, or fatter Colin Montgomery. I mean, the caliber, I love it because I, I love golf, Jay, and I love big tent golf where everyone comes in, even if it's just for the Tiger effect. And I love when athletes more and more are playing the game at the highest level. And, and Brooks Kepka is an athlete. I like that. It's good. Same thing for Dustin Johnson. Athletes. Oh, good and stuff. he's got a hot wife. Yeah, by the way, how'd you, how'd you like Tiger's girl? I mentioned that uh, to start the show today. Who is she? Erica Herman. She manages his restaurant in Florida. Five foot two. 30-something years old, ordinary. You cool with that? And, but doesn't he want to stay away from those? Well, I, no, he, he he did high-end, and now he's got to do, oh, you know what, this might, he might be good. Because okay. he, he had the Ferrari, and that didn't work out well. And so I guess he's got to settle step for down the, from Lindsey Vaughn. I, I still, to this day, love Lindsey Vaughn. Holy shit, I love her. Uh, how do you feel about Tiger and his hair? Should he shave it? Yeah, he's got it as, as I don't know if you're a Bamani Jones fan, but he always talks about 
uh, black athletes who are losing their hair. You got to come home and you got to shave it off. You got to come home. And that's what Tigers got to do. People said that about me, and I did. Uh, this summer, I went straight down to the wood a couple of times. You know what I found out, Jay? Too damn cold. <laughs> it is. Even in the summer, it's too cold. I like a little bit of fuzz. That's uh, it's just the way it's going to be. I'm going to go with the Matt Lauer haircut, minus, of course, Matt Lauer's picadillos. Yeah, okay. I, I, I went great early. I didn't mind that. I'm, I'll never go ball. I'm, not, I'm happy about that. All right. It's time for FTG. Stand down for a quick second, and here we go. I'm not a good guy. I'm the guy. <laughs> Fuck that guy. Fuck that guy. All right, Jay, who is your FTG of the week? Helper guy at the store, at the at the paint store. Oh, my God, I went in and I was just looking, and helper guy had to come in and tell me what I needed to do and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Dude, I, I, I'm okay. I got this. You just... Go what you do what you have to do. I, don't don't try to help me. Was okay? he wait? Was this an employee? No, no. Really, it was a civilian who thought the black man needed help on how to paint. I guess because I had the little the, the I don't think they're wall sconces, but the little things that with the with the color, and I was just comparing and and he you know you know uh, sidled over and and t- like no th- thank you though but no no thank you. <laughs> Was it a black guy or a white guy? It was, of course, it was a fifty-year-old white man. <laughs> of course, it was. Well, maybe that, maybe that white man was like, maybe he went home going, I did something good today. I sought out one of my fellow travelers in life of color, and I helped him out. I'm a what good happened? person. Didn't, I'm, didn't have, I'm helping didn't, bridge the racial divide in this country. I didn't have the may I help you uh, sign up over my head. I need help. Didn't have that. Okay. My FTG this week goes to every single Little League baseball coach who on television this month on ESPN decides that he is going to be the toughest, most badass coach in the world. Enough, all right? Enough of you and your middle-aged paunch and your tough guy stance and your wraparound shades treating this like it's the World Series. Oh, wait, it is the World Series of Little League baseball. I don't care. To the prototypical little league coach who's on camera, FTG. Oh, you're, you're, you're hurting my heart on that. Why you like that? No, I I just I was I was gonna ask you for that five minutes because uh, I saw a kid down the street. Uh, he I guess his team made a tournament and uh, they were having a party and I was like I, I teared up like the Indian dude. In the, I don't uh, mind commercial. Listen, <laughs> by the way, that was a Sicilian Cody. Uh, uh, Iron Eyes Cody was the uh, supposed Indian. Anyway, look, I'm not against the kids in this moment, Jay. I'm against the coaches who are just out of control, pimping yeah. for the cameras. They're the worst. Uh, Little League baseball coaches and AU coaches. I'd like to rank them. I don't know which is worse. All right, we'll they're, figure they're that out. They're right up there, though, as world, world's worst people. We'll figure that out next week. Good luck with the painting, Jay. Let the summer of Jay continue. If you want to holler at Jay on Twitter, at jcatrell 34 right? Yes, sir. All right, buddy. We'll see you next week. Thanks, Dave.
We'll end with this today, and this is a brilliant piece of writing that was uh, by Kathy O'Neill in Bloomberg Opinion. She writes to say, I might be the only person on earth feeling sorry for the big boys of technology these days. Jack Dorsey from Twitter, Mark Zuckerberg from Facebook, all these Google nerds, they're monumentally screwed because they have no idea how to tame the monsters they have created. The way I see it, these guys, and they are mostly guys, she writes, were arbitrarily chosen. They started with some good ideas, some luck, great timing, got a lot of people to believe in their rosy vision, and they won the unicorn lottery. Little did they know or care what problems they were creating. And now they're being asked to solve, or at least acknowledge, or something, some really big issues, such as what to do about people who use their platforms to meddle in elections or spread lies, paranoia, bigotry, and straight-up hate. The world expects great things of them because they're supposed to be geniuses. Problem is, they're not. There's nothing they can do except apologize, turn off their big machines, and walk away. But I doubt they'll do that. Instead, they're manufacturing baloney explanations about how they'll use more technology or maybe more people to handle the civic duties they had hoped to avoid. Algorithms can't comprehend truth, she writes. They just repeat the past. If we train them to delete tweets with a specific word in them, they can certainly be automated. But the malevolent actors who want to blow through an automated censoring algorithm will do so easily. Until we have a model of truth, writes Kathy O'Neill in Bloomberg Opinion, that is much better than what we have now, there is simply nothing else to say about it. I'll pause for a second to point out the one flaw in this piece that I don't know if Kathy O'Neill understands. Surely she must. There isn't really any truth other than the most basic of truth, such as one plus one equals two. The sky is blue. The sun rises in the east and sets in the west. Everything else gets hopelessly mixed with opinion. Our immigration policy is immoral. The prison system is inherently racist. You can't sift truth out of those statements. For some people, they are true and plain to see. And for other people, they're not. And for a variety of reasons. So back to my sympathy, she writes. These boys are all super rich, so it's limited. But I'm imagining that being the, I'm imagining being their mom, feeling for them. They all started out wanting to make the world a better place using cool technology, and here they are dealing with all this democracy and public responsibility stuff, which they never signed up for and honestly don't have the chops to handle. Well, look, Zuckerberg started out because he wanted to get laid. He couldn't, but he figured out a way using Facebook to get laid. I don't think he started out, oh, we want to make the world a better place. Let's connect everybody. She's right in this regard. They they have created an algorithmic platform and a monster that they can't now tame. And lawmakers and other part, people in the media and some in the public are saying, you got to do something about this. You can't. They're hiring lots of human beings to sift through tweets and posts and determine their truth. Heavy air quotes. <laughs> Good luck on that. You have to pay these people, feed these people, give these people health care and benefits. 
to what? Sort through everything that somebody says on the internet and rate it as, eh, yeah, that's true, or eh, that's kind of racist. Eh, I don't know about that. It's pretty funny when you think about it, but no, these guys are not going to turn off their machines and go home. No, no chance. They're going to keep throwing stuff at it and keep trying to figure it out. But I think at some point, there's going to be a big shift, a big shift away from these platforms because they have become what you probably could have figured out they would have become when they first started. Overrun with a lot of bad actors. That will be a wrap for today. Thank you for listening. You know the drill. Tell two friends. Hit up that Reddit thread, which does exist, by the way, about how great the Zabecast is. Leave a positive review and rating. That helps me out as well. Download, subscribe at all the major podcast outlets. You know what they are, so you don't need me to repeat them. Once again, always remember, take an hour off after eating before you go swimming. You don't want to get cramps. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next time.